Broadcasting from deep within the great pit of cartoon, this is the D-Back Discussion Podcast, your source for Star Wars news, theories, and reviews, with your hosts, TJ Bowser, Jordan White, Logan LeVeg, and Grandmaster Mo. Everyone and welcome back to the Do Back Discussion Podcast. This is your host, TJ Bowser. Jordan White on the side. Joke the Rogue. Grandmaster Mo. This week on the Do Back Discussion Podcast, we have an overview of Star Wars Rebels. We have a couple articles about Star Wars Rebels. We have lots of coverage on the Last Jedi home release. We have some articles about the upcoming solo movie, solo book tie-ins, and some more episode eight and nine news. So let's get started. So first off, let's do the Rebels recap feature for the episodes Wolves at the Door and A World Between Worlds. Logan? Oh, this these episodes changed my whole mindset on the whole Star Wars like saga almost. It was just really awesome to see how time travel's put in place. Ahsoka returned, so now we know how Darth Vader was actually probably gonna kill her. Like he wasn't gonna have any sympathy. He was actually gonna kill her until Ezra saved her. And now we know that that was actually her at the door at the end of that Rebels episode uh, on Malachor. And I think it was great that they did that. I know a lot of fans are kind of pissed that there is time travel now, but I think it could be a good implement for future movies or future series. Um, Also, it was just great seeing Ahsoka again. It was really awesome, especially seeing Darth Sidious and her and Ezra almost yeah, you could say in the t- in the same room in a way uh, when Palpatine was shooting his fire, kind of like how he uh, did in the Clone Wars with the illusion with Yoda. So uh, that was very interesting, and I can't wait to see Ahsoka in the finale because, as we know, she said she would try to get back to Ezra after she got back. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Muhammad? I was really intrigued by how Darth Sidious was able to see into them like access the portal but he can't get into it like his hand kind of goes through it um he's able to interact with it by shooting the fire like logan just said um but i mean just time travel is always such a tricky and trippy subject it could honestly like alter the entire goings-on of the whole saga almost um be luckily ezra didn't really intervene that much except for of course saving ahsoka but I guess we'll see the effects of this very dangerous venture um, in the finale. Oh, yeah. I think uh, these two episodes really changed the way that we even look Star Wars and perceive how the forces worked. Or, Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I like the, the moving paintings that, uh, thing for the Jedi Temple. I like how the exploration of the force, they really got into how the, 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 the Mortis type thing going on there with the, the father, son, and the daughter. I really enjoyed that aspect. I liked seeing Ahsoka again like everyone else did. I think the last time that we seen her was on the end of uh, Season 2. I like that, they bring, that they're bringing her back. I think that she's alive, and I think she'll be joining them for the finale. And I believe, this, I'm, if I'm correct, the finale is 90 minutes long, which will be the longest episode. It's pretty much like us finally getting you know that last hurrah, which it is. It is the last hurrah 
first Star Wars Rebels, and it is owed to us, and hopefully it ties everything up, and I'm sure Dave Filoni will deliver like he has with multiple projects of his. But with uh, Kanan gone, it's nice to see how uh, Hera and Ezra are taking the, this loss, and so is the rest of the Ghost crew. I feel like it, it's uh, going to make them mature a lot quicker, primarily because that their leader is gone now, and one of them are going to have to step up over the next, uh, well, for the finale, you know, whether that be Ahsoka, whether that be Ezra, or whether that be Hera. So, Jordan, did you watch any of the Star Wars Rebels or read anything about it? Uh, no, actually, I haven't. Okay. I've been meaning to get around to it, but never really had much time to do so, it. So, we came across an article with Dave Filoni talking about Kanan's death. Uh, Mohammed, uh, could you t- tell me a little bit about that? So, basically, um, there was a little bit of not skepticism, but um, uncertainty over the relationship between Kanan um, and Doom, the wolf. Basically, it, it clarified the interview clarified that the wolf isn't a um, force ghost manifestation of the consciousness, but a sort of in between stage where it's a part of the whole of his consciousness. It's not so the way he puts it is he wouldn't say, "Hey, Ezra." Um, cause it's not a full manifestation of his consciousness. However, there is that little bit of Canaan in it where he's trying to communicate, um, and guide Ezra along, along the path. Yeah. Uh, I can see where he's, how that explains a lot. Uh, Logan. Uh, yeah, I thought that was very interesting. Just like how Mo said, how like he's not able to say, Hey Ezra, because it's not fully Canaan, but it is Canaan in some sorts. And I I feel like Kanan is now actually part of the force now after he has talked with Ezra and has guided Ezra to where he needed to go. And now Ezra has let him go. And I think, well, with Hera and Ezra letting Kanan go, I think that lets the whole audience who watches Rebels kind of let him go as well. Yeah, and then if I can add something, an interesting part of this interview is that basically he doesn't... He doesn't um, what, he, he, he leaves a little bit of uncertainty as to whether um, the Jedi we come to know and love in this will survive or not. Um, he said he doesn't subscribe to the fina- the idea that the finality of the original trilogy, um, with the idea that all of the Jedi are gone. Um, so we may see Ezra and Ahsoka survive. We may not, um, as part of the interview, you know, clarified that part. Also in the interview, think- hold on, uh, You can go after me here, Uh, but there's an interesting part of the interview where he uh, quoted uh, one of Yoda's famous lines, and Dave Filoni says, uh, I do not subscribe at all to the idea that because there's one line in the movie that says, when gone am I, the last of the Jedi you will be. That my my characters have to die, I don't buy into that in the least. I think all those lines are subjective. When I see people saying they have to die, that's absolutely not true. Well, I feel like that they will die. I feel like Ezra and Ahsoka will die or at least just be kind of dead. Like who knows if there's carbonite freezing or maybe they go back uh, and go back in a time travel from like another temple, mm-hmm. like uh, which would be really awesome. Maybe like uh, we all know that the Lothal Jedi temple is now destroyed. There's it's gone, but who knows? Maybe there are more portals to get there. Maybe go back to Mortis and find one, which would be very interesting to see. And they're just stuck in time, stuck in time travel the whole time, 
and pretty much guiding the whole Star Wars saga. Yeah. And that would be very interesting, but yet very complex. So I believe Ahsoka will die, and so will Ezra, but in like a peaceful way, kind of like how Luffy did in The Last Jedi. Like we felt, but we like we felt sad, but there was a purpose, kind of like with Kanan. Yes. Uh, for the finale, we got a little teaser here. It looks like to me that this is it. Like this is this is them one final strike to take Lothal back from the Empire. Like everyone's there. Rex is there. Wolf's there. Like everyone from the series. Gregor. Yeah, everyone is here. Everyone's coming to this battle. It's balls out. Let's pedal to the floor. Let's fucking take this planet back. And we're gonna see. I I, I guarantee the Vader's either gonna show up to, with Thrawn. Emperor's gonna be there. I mean, something's gonna happen, and Ahsoka's gonna be there. I I, I can almost guarantee it. I can feel like that um, that Darth Vader will kill Thrawn, or Ahsoka will kill Thrawn. I just know Thrawn will die. Like he has to. There's always there's that two there's those two missing seats in the Death Star. One belongs to Director Krennic, then the other belongs to Admiral Thrawn. Yeah. So I believe Thrawn will die in this episode from the hands of Vader. Because, as you know, Vader doesn't really give a shit about admirals. He actually hates them because they don't like the Force. They don't believe in it. They feel like it's just some mumbo-jumbo. But um, I feel like Darth Maul would... I mean, I feel like Darth Vader would kill uh, Admiral Thrawn because maybe Thrawn does not like kill Mohammed. the rebel cells and is kind of, uh, like... No, I don't no, know, no, 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 you're wrong. Mohammed, correct him. Uh, Hold on, I'm gonna actually jump in on this. I do not believe. Did you read the Thrawn book? Did you read the Thrawn book? Yes, I did. Okay, Muhammad did. I did. Muhammad correct him. Um, on the on the Thrawn thing. Yeah, he he thinks Vader would kill Thrawn. Probably not, because it seems spoilers forever hasn't read the Thrawn book. That Thrawn is brought in almost on the, the very close inner circle. Between Vader, the Emperor. What's the um, next book? Thrawn. I'm sorry. What's the next book? Is I am it, not yeah, sure. I told you last week. It is Vader, and it is Thrawn teaming up against an unknown ally. Oh, see, I wasn't. So your theory is wrong. But what if Ahsoka kills Thrawn? Ahsoka's not going to kill Thrawn. I think Thrawn's going to survive. Yeah. Hold on, Jordan. You can come up right after this. I think Thrawn's going to survive, and I think Rook's going to ultimately kill him. I think they're going to pull out the old Legends book. Oh, yeah. They're going to take it off yeah. of there. And I, I think we're going to see some sort of media where Thrawn and Vader are going to team up. That, That's just my opinion on it. Jordan, what are you, you going to say? I was actually going to bring up that whole thing with uh, Thrawn being in the inner circle and earning the respect of the Emperor. There's no way that Vader's going to even touch him. Even if he Thrawn's to. way too important but, to the Empire. He's a tool to them. He is a, a strategic tool. He's one of their most powerful tools at that. In the show descriptions for the two upcoming two episodes, the final two episodes, the first one's called A Fool's Hope. Ezra calls in every favor he can to rally together a ragtag group for seemingly impossible fight against Governor Price and her forces. The second one's called Family Reunion Dash and Farewell. Ezra and team take drastic action to free will fall. I do think if anyone's going to die, it's going to be Governor Price. It's going to be Governor Price yeah. and maybe Ezra. I think Zeb is either going to die or go back to his home planet. Uh, right. we, we know two people that have survived. That's going to be Chopper. That's going to be and, and also Hera. 
Right. We and don't know about, about the fate of anyone else. What will happen with Sabine? With Sabine, she might go back to Mandalore. How do we know? Do we have any updates on Mandalore after the events of uh, episode? Well, not af- after the episode, but after the events of this series. Do we have anything at past this? No, we do not. We don't know what the hell happens to Mandalore. That's canon. I'm unaware of anything. The me- I'm unaware the- of anything as well. I feel that this finale is gonna. It's gonna. It's going to be like The Last Jedi. It's going to be, people are going to love it, people are going to hate it. Uh, it's going to be very controversial. Uh, I can't wait to see what tomorrow brings us. I'm looking forward to it. But yeah, definitely. So let's move on to a little bit more of The Last Jedi type things. I know we, we had a lot to talk about the Rebels here, but uh, we're getting the home release of The Last Jedi soon, and there's going to be a little bit of tidbits of stuff on there. Uh, Jordan, can you take uh, the deleted scenes here for us? Uh, deleted scenes for The Last Jedi. Um... There have been a few things that have came out for deleted scenes accompanied by an introduction and um, optional commentary from the film's director, Ryan Johnson. And um, there's an alternate opening for the movie. Um, Paige's gun jams. Luke has a moment. I'm assuming he's most likely uh, crying about something. Don't know what it is. Han Solo. Han's death. Oh yeah, Hans Deadhouse. Boom. <laughs> True. Um, there's another one. Poe. Not much of a sewer. I guess he gets caught in a sewer after something. I don't know what it'd be. Um, it's kind of weird that you recorded that. I have a feeling what Ray-Lo probably something tape. that has to do with um, Finn. Raylo sex tape. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the caretaker si- the- sizes up Ray. They just finally to... get like fed up with her shit. Like, you, you destroyed my village. We've had enough. Like, the, like she like wakes up in the morning. There's like eight <laughs> caretakers out there, like holding her weapon to her like head. They're, like, do it one more time. I dare you. Continue. <laughs> A caretaker village sequence. See, I was right. Continue. <laughs> Extended faithier chase. Uh, mega star destroyer encouraging. Extended. I, I want to see it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Rose bites hand. Rose bites the hand that taunts her. I like the next one. Phasma squealed like a whoop dog. <laughs> a whoop dog. <laughs> this is gonna. That's gonna be a, uh, an important one. Oh yeah. Rose and Finn go to where they belong. What if the phasma? Okay, I'm just gonna stop right there. What if the phasma? Deleted scene is showing her if she survived or not. Probably. I have a feeling she did. Like I'm it shows sure. her like following, sure. falling, and she just lands on the deck below. And she like gets up and she's just fucking crying. She's like, God damn, FN2187. And it just crawls to an escape pod, hits the thing, and then it goes to the next scene. <laughs> Perhaps. I mean, all together, <clears throat> these are going to be around 30 minutes of deleted, of deleted scenes material. So. It's a four hour movie. Well, no, three hour movie. Holy shit. Right, right. Oh. We have officially Ooh. entered Lord of the Rings territory, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Continue, Jordan. Then we got two last ones. Um, well, uh, yeah, two last ones. Rain, Chewie, and the Falcon, and the costumes and creatures of the Canto Bite. Bite. I'm excited for that one. I'm I'm really intrigued by the culture of Canto Bite. It seems to 
sort of extrapolate from the cantina and from Maz's, um, from Maz Kanata's Takadana castle. I want um, to see a hut. Oh, I do think there's going to be, there has to be a hut in that kind of environment. There has to. TJ's probably thinking, really, Logan? Really? But like, there isn't. Come on, bro. <laughs> but uh, I feel like Canto Bight is going to be a pretty good place for many different creatures, many different uh, people of different kinds. Like, it's full of rich people, so we all know that. So there's got to be, like, some hut there, and there's probably going to be, like, some Nikto and oh, many other creatures. It says here in an person. article. The promo shoots a shot of Finn in, in, in his Bacta suit. The lead scene marking alternate version of Phasma's death would appear to confirm that the character did indeed die in the film. Although it's possible Abrams and Terrio could work around that if they really wanted to, but let's not speculate too much on that. God damn it, why did they have to kill Phasma? Them sons of bitches! <laughs> but she was cool. They hyped her up so much in episode 7 just for goddamn Ryan Johnson to kill her off. I'm not going to be a hater here. I'm not going to be a hater. But I fucking love Phasma, and I'm tired of them killing off my characters. If they kill off Thrawn, I'm dead. I'm fucking done. I am If they done. kill off I'll... Boba Fett. Oh, God. <laughs> off. No, he's not. He's not dead. No, he's, still in the, he's still in the, in the pit of Carcoon rotting away. I mean, look, look, guys. Look to your right. Like, he's right there next to us. I mean, we're in the pit, too. We're just broadcasting from inside of it. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, there were some brief looks at the Last Jedi scenes. It's it, the lead scenes. That's not a big deal. But uh, Luke Skywalker, Luke's wife, Leek, opening prologue from the Last Jedi. Mo, take it away. Well, of course, this comes from the novelization um, of the Last Jedi. And as you know, I'm all about the novels. And the novelization, the great thing about this is that it's going to um, expand on, you know, give a couple of snippets here and there on things that were not included in the movie. And a lot of people thought um, because of the leaked picture of um, in the beginning of Luke um, being with his with being with his um, with his wife. I do. It says Luke Skywalker stood in the cooling sands of Tatooine, his wife by his side. But um, I don't think everyone should get too excited because it, it was confirmed that it should, it's a dream sequence in this story and that actually Luke never really had a wife. It, it's, it's, it's like a what if super short story um, and it's going to tie into the different themes of the film. Now, it is kind of important because as we know, it's as we can probably guess, it's going to this short story sequence is going to tie into Luke wondering what would have happened had he never become a Jedi, had he never taken those droids on um, before he wanted to go to Tashi Station. But importantly, I think this might tie into that deleted scene of Luke has a moment. It's a possibility. Um, we, we, we never know. Yeah. But she, her name is Cammy in this. Um, yeah, Cammy. Is this going to make it canonical? I'm sorry? Is this going to make it canonical? Are deleted um, scenes yeah. canonical? The, ex the expanded content um, in, in the novelization edition is going to be canonical. Okay. Ooh. Damn. So, definitely a must read. Definitely a must read. Oh, yeah. You think if sure. that does tie into the Luke has a moment scene that he, he is regretting the fact that he became a uh, Jedi? I think he's going to be sort of at least ambivalent towards it, or at least wonder like what could have happened. And uh, I don't think we'll know until March 6th, until the novel comes out. Yep. Yeah, I actually uh, 
I feel like this happens. So let's say they're actually, I guess you could say they're dating, like <laughs> him and this girl, but but they're not married yet. They're just in a relationship. He's just kind of showing her, showing her his lightsaber every now and then. Nothing. Serious. Well, maybe it's kind of like with Obi Wan and Satine Christ. They loved each other, but they just couldn't. And so Luke was kind of sad about that. And then as he was like kind of leaving the Jedi, I guess in a way. He was going to marry her, but then Snoke comes in and kills her. Oh shit. Keep it up. Oh shit. And that's why Luke was like irritated and didn't want to fight Snoke or anything, because he knew Snoke could possibly kill him, and Snoke had already pretty much destroyed him before. So I agree. I agree. Jordan, what do you think? Mm-hmm. What do you think? Um, I agree on this. I think this might be one of those, uh, Satine, like, like the Satine situation with Obi-Wan. I think this was a, a prior love interest for him between episode six and, uh, seven. So I feel like this is something that he had an attempt at, but he just didn't really want to do considering, you know, snow popped up in episode seven or beforehand. So, um, I honestly feel like this is something that he wanted to do, but he just couldn't. Yeah. He's thinking of what could have been. Yeah, definitely. So recently we got some high res photos of the interfaces from the last Jedi, like the inside of the cockpit panels and stuff. Uh, Muhammad, you're, you're taking a look at these, the, the Mm -hmm. amount of work and effort that has to go into these set builders. If you just, like, these look legit. <laughs> okay, legit. If there's I mean, one thing that Star Wars has always delivered on, and it's it's making you feel like you're actually there. Not, not actually there, but like, this is an actual place. This is an actual ship. This is an actual planet. These are actual people living this life. You know what I mean? And if from the way that we these photos will allow us to be like, well, this is what it looks like from their angle, you know? Right, right. I mean, all this CGI and effects and set building stuff really goes over my head. So all I can really do, I'm in a position to do, is just look at it and just be in awe that, wow, this looks so legit. I feel like this is a real thing. Almost like I feel like the Pentagon somewhere has a room like this that actually works. Um, almost. But yeah, I mean, just the color, the color code, um, the color scheme, the actual interface, um, the, the screen technology, the buttons, it all just looks so legit. Oh, I agree. Yeah, it, yeah, it does look very amazing. I like how the animatronics work and how they put so much detail in everything, especially like the the fox. You know how many like the vault like, looks like icicles I had to put on there, the little fox. spikes. Holy crap, bro. Like, that takes a lot of effort, and I feel like they did a really great job for The Last Jedi. Jordan? Uh, I'd, I'd agree with that. Um, these interfaces look very intricate. I think without any training, or at least us right now, we would not be able to even use these if we wanted to. Mm-hmm. They look uh, they look really good, extremely intricate, and uh, shoot, I'm getting lost just looking at them. <laughs> right? Yeah, the pictures you see are from uh, Poe Dameron's shuttle, X-wing. Well, Poe Dameron's X-wing. Sorry, Leia's recovery room, Kylo Ren's ship. Well, shuttle, the dreadnought Snoke ship, and several other scenes in the Last Jedi film. Right. Uh, 
the visual effects supervisors released a little on a, a how they created uh, various effects for The Last Jedi. From the little uh, things here that they... Ah, hold on. Okay, from the little things here, Porgs, they explain how they revealed they'd use both uh, puppets and CGI to make these Porgs, because, what are they, Puffins? What the hell are they called? Yeah, they're, yeah, they're the like puffins on the island, and yeah. it just was a lot easier to integrate them than to just um, take them out of the, yeah. of the shots. Morris from the Visual Effects Supervisor guy said, the hope that was that we'd be able to use puppets for every piece of the action in the film that they're in. We had some amazing puppets, and they had to build special rigs for almost every gag because the puppets are sometimes quite limited in what they can do. When we got back to editorial and the film started coming together, we were tasked with removing some of the puppeteer's rods. And other work that we were doing on the faces was quite minimal in 2D. Ryan, when he finally saw the cut, wanted to expand some of those performances so we can actually so we actually built CG porgs as well. Ultimately in the film it's a right mix up. These are certain shots that are pure puppet that are the others that are pure CG. And then when we're ones where we've got CG and puppets right next to each other, they're great. That was the great challenge there was. We have reference to every shot using a real puppet so we can match our CG perfectly to that. And I think it paid off. And Logan Definitely. here, here's another picture of uh, the animatronics slash puppet for your Vulpatex. I think, that, I mean, that quote perfectly captures the spirit of producing star wars it's a lot of experimentation you're on the cutting edge of of movie and film and and you know set design you got to work with what you got and improvise and sometimes you use a puppet sometimes it's cgi sometimes it's a combination of both so absolutely yeah it really caught me off guard in my opinion about how they used puppets and cg for um you know, so many different things in this movie. I feel like that's like the, the standard now for these Star Wars movies under the Lucasfilm. I think that the prequels relied on CG way too much. The OG trilogy, we know that there was no damn CG. But <sighs> I think since Disney acquired the franchise, it's been a perfect mixture of both CG and practical effects. Maz's Castle is one of the perfect examples of both practical and CG effects. Yeah. Uh, now, I totally agree. Mohammed, you were talking about BB-8. He's a practical effect, isn't he? Yeah, he's actually, um, when J.J. Abrams made him, J.J. Abrams is kind of a CGI minimalist, so he's a pure puppet. Just everything about him is just a pure puppet. He, um, and we know that his sound, we talked about it last week, the sounds that produced him um, a lot were kind of more intricate and emotive than R2-D2. Um, but as far as, um, how do you, how do you say kind of emoting with with um, BB-8 when his head drags down when he's sad, the way it perks up when he's happy. That's all puppetry. Yeah. Mm, definitely. From what this says, it says that it was, Ryan Johnson's initial plan was to bring Snoke to life using prosthetics, but because of the specifics of his face, this was impossible. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> when, when we look at Snoke, we see this tall, shriveled up, but menacing guy you know battle scarred whatever he is i mean we don't got a lot of backstory on snow but that's besides the fact he's dead don't say anything logan uh <laughs> i like that the use I have andy circus did a good voice by the way I, I think andy circus did an amazing job 
Yeah, definitely. Nope. I feel like he did an amazing job, and I like how they used the uh, kind of face for Snoke. Uh, I thought it was really awesome, and I feel like they're going to use this a lot more in more Star Wars movies coming up. One of the things is the, uh, the Princess Leia open space scene. They used a combination of things. It was like a mixture of digital doubles, CG, and Kisher, Carrie, yeah, Carrie Fisher herself. Uh, we had to bring everything together, you know, in order to get that shot. I mean, that's a pretty controversial shot as it is. So what, what if they didn't pull it off, you know? Like, what if that looked like shit? That would be even worse for them. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's very interesting to see how they do certain things in these movies. And I, and I like how they're giving so much insight into this movie compared to the last movie. That is true. That is true. I like some, I like what they've done with this movie. Um, I look forward to seeing what they can do to close out the uh, entire saga here. Yep. I think I, hopefully episode nine lives up to the hype. Um, Han, what were you saying that? No, I wasn't saying anything. Actually, oh. a lot of this, um, CGI stuff really goes over my head. So it's, I'm kind of just like a plebeian in awe at all of this. Yeah. Yep. So they gave us some footage reels of some of the special effects, like the crate. Uh, the, the crate scene was used like using a truck to make that dust effect go on. And there's a lot of CG work going into the, the ski speeders in that scene. Uh, I, I really like to see how, like how they do these massive battles and how, what everything has to go into making it right. Like the, the crystal forest in like inside of a uh, crate. Could you imagine how much time that took to make every single crystal and put everyone in the exact place. So it looks full and actually looks like a place that exists. I mean, just think, I mean, these movies take so much time for a reason. Yeah, definitely. It was, I feel like it was a really, I, I like all the stuff that they did for this. Like, uh-huh. it's really cool. Especially with like the trucks and the looks like a uh, red smoke. Oh, just amazing. That was actually completely unexpected. You didn't think right. that was... Well, it was really practical. And I like the mocap they did with Snoke, and I like how they had a body double to play Snoke, and they had Andy Circus. They put tracking modules on his face so they can track his facial movements as he's talking. So they have a... So, similar to Vader, they have a body, and then they have a voice. You know what I mean? Right. Right. But Andy also works as the face through CG. Kind of like what they did with Alan Tudyk, they have with for with, uh, K2SO. He may be a robot, but they're still using his motion capture. And the same thing they're doing with Leap, with uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. This We have these terrific actors and actresses that come into the Star Wars, and it's not just to play this role. It, it's because of their motion and the way that they act scenes. That just shows the level of uh, professionalism, not just professionalism, but talent that they have, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, if just looking at all this and all the commentary and the descriptions and the pictures and the videos and all that, it's for good reason. Um, then we can understand exactly why Last Jedi has been nominated for an Academy Award for Best Visual Effects, among three other Academy Awards, of course. It deserves everything. Right. But then cool. again, the only thing Star Wars ever wins is for the goddamn sound. <laughs> <laughs> but how, how can that be? You know, we never win any of these awards, but we have the biggest, arguably the biggest fan base of any other franchise in the entire world. Right. Well, that's not how it works. Unfortunately, it's yeah. not based on, it's based on whatever people in Hollywood think. 
whatever they vote. I think that's how it works. Yeah. Uh, I like The Last Jedi. I think we've talked about this before, uh, and I know we've talked about this before. With J.J. coming back for Episode Nine, a Chris Terrio... You know what? We're not going to get ahead of ourselves. We'll talk about that a little bit after the break. But now, let's... Uh, Let's take a break and go on to the the Rogue Rant. All right. It's now time for the Rogue Rant. Hey, guys. It's Joe the Rogue here with the Rogue Rant. And today we'll be talking about the story of Darth Maul. Darth Maul is one of the most known and unique characters in all of Star Wars. Let's talk about him. Darth Maul was born on Dathomir and was the son of Mother Talzin and had two brothers named Savage and Feral. At a young age, Maul was given to Darth Sidious as he saw more power in Maul than his mother, and Maul was trained vigorously for many years by Sidious to ensure that he could kill any Jedi. On Tatooine on 32 BBY, Maul finally revealed himself and failed to kill Qui-Gon Jinn. Sometime later, they met again on Naboo, where Darth Maul revealed his double-bladed lightsaber and fought both Qui-Gon Jinn and his Padawan Obi-Wan Kenobi. Obi, well, Maul was able to kill Qui-Gon Jinn, and was outmatched by <clears throat> by Obi-Wan by being sliced in half, causing him to tumble down a large reactor shaft. Maul uses hatred and thirst for revenge to make him survive, and he was able to grab an air vent and landed in a trash container. As he laid in the trash, he was transported to the world Lotho Minor, where he stayed for ten years. Maul was found during the Clone Wars by his brother Savage, who had killed Pharaoh and was brought back to Dathomir to be resurrected. Maul immediately went for revenge against Kenobi with Savage as his apprentice. After some time, Maul joined with Pre Vizsla to create the Shadow Collective that was made up of pirates, smugglers, and even the huts for some time. Maul became the, most, Maul became the leader of the Shadow Collective and Death Watch after beheading Pre Vizsla, claiming the Darksaber as his own. <coughs> Afterwards, Maul was able to complete his revenge on Kenobi, by killing his silent lover, Satine Christ. After Maul's rise to power, he was met by his, old, by his old master, Darth Sidious. Sidious has told Maul that he was now replaced and is now a rival. Maul and Savage fought Darth Sidious, and during the fight, Savage was killed by him. And we see a glimpse of Darth Maul's caring side as he almost cries looking at his brother's death, as, as his brother is dying. Sidious and Maul continue to battle with Sidious beating Maul and capturing him. Maul was then tortured, but was saved by Death Watch. Maul then uh, <clears throat> regrouped with the rest of Death Watch on Xanbar, when he, where he fought Grievous. Maul was then able to escape the wrath of Grievous with the help of Mother Towson. Then Maul was able to capture Count Dooku and Grievous, something that the Republic could not do. Dooku and Maul then became allies. During that time, Grievous escaped during an attack uh, from the Republic. Then, back on Dathomir, Maul and Dooku fought Grievous and Sidious. Grievous had stabbed and killed Mother Towson, and Dooku was brought back uh, by Darth Sidious, which caused Maul to leave. On Mandalore, Maul and the uh, Collective were under attack from the Republic, and the Collective <clears throat> and the collective fell apart as Ahsoka and Captain Rex trapped Maul, but Maul then escaped. Maul then fled to Malachor, looking for the ancient weapon of the Sith Temple. Maul was found by Ezra and the Ghost Crew, where Maul killed the Inquisitors and blinded Kanan Jarrus. Maul then fled and was able to find the Jedi Holocron to morph with the Sith Holocron to find Obi-Wan. 
Maul and Ezra combined the holocons and saw what they could, what they wanted most. After some time trying to persuade Ezra to be his apprentice, Maul found Obi-Wan Kenobi for one last fight. Obi-Wan mortally wounded Maul, causing Maul to die in Obi-Wan's arms, but <clears throat> but learned of the Chosen One, seeing, like looks like to be seeing the future, with his last words being, he will avenge us. He was then burned on a funeral pyre by Obi-Wan in respect. Welcome back, guys. Hopefully you enjoyed the Rogue Rants. Unfortunately, we have some bad news. Our boy, Jordan White on the side, came across some circumstances, and he won't be able to finish the podcast with us. Regardless, we're going to move on and talk about the new international solo trailer. Yeah, uh, from what I can see here, it's pretty much the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there might be one little extra couple seconds of something, but I didn't see anything that was significant enough to report on. But there was a new excerpt released from the new uh, upcoming solo tie-in books, which, uh, Mohammed, if you want to talk about. Oh, boy, like you know, I'm a novel enthusiast. Now, we talked about this new novel coming out uh, in last week's podcast. Um, it's called Star Wars Last Shot, written by Daniel Jose Older, who is a New York Times bestselling author. Now, we know it's going to tie into the Han Solo movie coming out in May, in 81 days, I believe. So now, th this excerpt that got um, that, that's shown, it's uh, I've read through it, and I won't read the whole thing to, to save time. Basically, it talks about, um, you know, without really giving any spoilers, it's there's like a tender moment between Han Solo and, and Ben Solo, his son, who we know eventually becomes... Kylo Ren, and that's kind of the dark foreshadowing of it, is this tender moment between them, and suddenly there's, there's this thunderous knock on the door, and Han Solo hides um, Ben um, asleep on, uh, away from the door, and he gets angry, he's kind of apprehensive, and pulls out his blaster and lets him in, and then it's Lando, and there's a little bit of a tussle between them. Um, very interesting. It shows the writing. I think the writing is really captivating in this, and it's definitely something to, that makes me look forward to. Uh, this little teaser makes me look forward to reading the rest of the novel. Yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to these books. Uh, yeah, I can't wait to read it either. I feel like they're going to be very interesting and very cool, especially with that part with uh, Ben and Lando and Han. I feel like it's going to be a great novel. I just can't wait to read it. Yeah. Right, uh, right. A little update for you guys here. We are uh, 81 days out from uh, Solo, a Star Wars story. It's coming, boys. It's coming. But, slowly but surely. Yeah, slowly but surely. We will get there. So, Logan, if you'd like to bring us into our next one, we have uh, Daniel Jose Older on writing Solo and Lando books. If you uh like to read us from that. Uh, yeah, sure. <clears throat> I feel like, uh, like, as he says right here, this was a lot of fun. I got to play with that reckless young time when both of these guys were just uh, gallivanting the galaxy and taking themselves way too seriously. I feel like that's going to be really awesome to see because we see the adult kind of version of Han Solo. And, you know, he's really reckless and stuff. But as we all know, when you grow older, you get more mature. So it would be awesome to see what Han Solo and Lando looked like back in the day. And... I feel like this will show more of their backstory. We'll explain more of their friendship as we saw in Empire Strikes Back as they hug each other. Well, at least Lando hugs uh, Han and like gives him some shit as well. But I feel like <laughs> he's like, what are you doing with my ship? And why'd you come back here? 
but then just gives him a big hug. I feel like we're going to see them joke around like that in this Filthy old uh, space novel. pirate, you. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like it's going to be a great book, and I can't wait for uh, uh, <clears throat> Daniel Jose to uh, uh, put that in this novel. I feel like the exciting thing about this upcoming novel, um, The Last Shot, is basically playing with the, the, the development of of Han Solo from this, you know, young cocky smuggler into who stays a young cocky smuggler at heart, really, but matures into a father and a husband and trying to play with the ways um, in which the continuities and the discontinuities in the character and the same time, the same time, the friendship or relationship with Lando. Um, I think that's something to look forward to, something that's really going to enlighten and really shape or at least influence in some way or another the way we view solo, the solo movie coming out again in 81 days. Yeah. Uh, I, I think there'd be a tremendous amount of pressure on someone to write a book, especially right. about such a, uh, a coveted character in the star Wars franchise. So we got a little, uh, maybe a link, maybe of the name and the potential speeder of the villain from solo, a star Wars story. Yakface.com conducted an impressive detective work that might have released the name of the cool-looking villainous character from the Solo trailer. See image above. But, let's see here. What does it say? Ethne. Looks like... Enfys? Enfys? Enfys Nest. Enfys Nest. So, what's the person's name? Enfy? Yeah, Enfys Nest. That's his name. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Or maybe Enfys. Oh, and the, the, some of these, the, it has been confirmed that they're going to be on Corellia. <laughs> some of the outfits are right. like Kira, and then in quotes it'll say Corellia. Yeah. So the bad person's right. name is, the design of Nest's speeder is very reminiscent of the pod racers from the Phantom Menace. Yeah, it does very. It does look very similar to some of the pod, uh, pod race um, speeders. So that's gonna be very cool to see. I like how they're bringing some stuff from the prequels and kind of like kind of morphing it into the design some of work these in the stories from the prequels was out fucking standing. Right, right. I mean, it kind of combi- kind of combines the speeder bites of you know those scout trooper troopers and Return of the Jedi that run into the trees, but it adds a little bit of touch again, like you were saying earlier. Um, kind of as the the learning curve, or not the learning curve. I'm sorry, I don't know what the term would be, but kind of the newer movies combine the good of of the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy. So now we have like this cool speeder bike with a little bit of a touch of the pod racing. That's actually immediately what what struck my mind when I saw these designs. Uh, yeah. it's not Enfys, it's Enfys. Enfys, I thought Enfys, so. Uh, yeah, let's okay. do that. It, it's Enfys Nest. <laughs> Got it. So we'll just refer to cool. him slash her as Enfys Enfys Nest, which right. I like better okay. than Enfys. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to see what he she uh, brings to the table and to the narrative of the solo story. You know. Mm-hmm. Yep. So now, new Lego part, sets. I know you're gonna enjoy this. Oh yeah, I've got some toys, toys, toys. <laughs> uh. New Lego sets might reveal some new plot details about a Solo Star Wars story. Rebel Scum discovered several Lego set descriptions from Solo a Star Wars story gives us a better idea about some of the characters, vehicles, and the plot of the movie. 
Uh, it says the Imperial Patrol Battle Pack. Play out Imperial law enforcement scenarios with the imposing Lego Star Wars Imperial Battle Patrol Pack. Featuring a speeder with stud shooters and immigration officer. Officer? What the fuck's wrong with me? Officer. Recruitment <laughs> officer and two Imperial Patrol troopers. This Star Wars toy has everything your buddy Imperial officer needs to keep their Star Wars minifigure collection under control. Includes four minifigures, an Imperial recruitment officer, an Imperial immigration officer, and two Imperial patrol troopers. Features a speeder with a minifigure seat and two stud shooters. Also includes four stud blasters for the minifigures. This Lego set toy is suitable for ages 6 to 7 speeder mentors over 1 3 centimeter high, 5 13 centimeters in long, and 1 5 centimeters wide. If you're not familiar with this exact, with exactly which speeder that is, here's a good photo of it from Lucasfilm's set. Boom! Thing looks like a weird small version of that goddamn Jawa crawler, except it has a seat. Uh, <laughs> it does. Look at the goddamn thing. It doesn't have tracks, <laughs> and it doesn't. It just has a seat in the middle. <laughs> yeah, I see that. I see. I see. That. <laughs> Where's the propulsion system on that son of a bitch? <laughs> At least Ray Speeder was better looking than that, but whatever, you know. <laughs> hers was made by a pottery for parts. So. Hers is a menagerie. It's a clusterfuck of parts that she found everywhere. Like, seriously. Of course, it's a pretty nice little looking thing, you know. It's Ray. It's Daisy Ridley. It's, you know what I mean? But anyway, <laughs> uh, since the name is this set is Imperial Patrol, and it has patrol stormtroopers. They look like regular stormtroopers, but with more black elements on the helmet. Ooh, edgy. It's obvious that they will not be part of the race we've seen in the teaser. It looks like this will be an illegal race on the streets of Corillia, a.k.a. Han Solo's home! But the participants will be chased by local law enforcement. So this is the Imperial Recruitment Officer. The guy that's like, hey, you want to be a rebel pilot? Not a rebel pilot, but an Imperial pilot. Yeah. You know, from that first that game ad. You know what I'm talking about. But anyway, uh, the next set is the Han Solo's Land Speeder. Recreate high-speed Lego Star Wars action scenes with the Han Solo movie with Han Solo's Land Speeder. Featuring an open two-minifigure cockpit Opening hub with storage compartment. Ooh! Removable engine, rear storage compartment with secret cargo. Hidden wheels for a hover effect and two spring-loaded shooters. This action-packed Star Wars toy also includes a Karelian Hound figure for Han and Kira to battle. Includes Han Solo and Kira minifigures plus a Karelian Hound figure. Features an open two-minifigure cockpit opening hood with ammo and accessory storage. Removable engine, rear storage compartment, and secret cargo hidden wheels for a hover effect and two spring-loaded shooters. Remove the engine for a much-needed overhaul. Also includes two blaster pistols. Play out epic Han Solo movie chase with 75210 Moloch's Land Speeder. This Lego Star Wars toy is suitable for ages 7 to 12. Measures 1, 5 centimeters high, 6, 6 16 centimeters long, and 3, 10 centimeters wide. So, from what we can see, it's a badass fucking... Uh, a badass fucking speeder. I mean, I want this thing in the kids' toy just so my daughter can ride around this thing in the yard. I'll get Luke's land speeder. We'll have little fights, little battles, you know, race around. Put that bitch Take in the push. high gear. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. That was a really good and thorough uh, extrapolation or explanation of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that Carillion <laughs> Hound, up. that thing looks amazing. Let's look how scary and opposing this thing is. It is Pablo Hidalgo 
Here's how the Krillian Hounds will look via Pablo Hidalgo's solo A Star Wars Story, the official guide, which we will probably get. But uh, next, we have Moloch's Landspeeder. Recreate the action-filled scenes from the Han Solo movie with this Lego Star Wars Moloch's Landspeeder set. The infamous gang leader's vehicles features an open minifigure cockpit storage hold at the rear and hidden wheels for a cool hover effect. This Star Wars toy also has a six-stud rapid shooter for intense action play and an opening cage to hold the two Krillian Hound figures to add an extra dimension for battling fun for any LEGO Star Wars fan. So, from what I can see from all of these ones, uh, they're going to really push this whole speeder shit. And this Moloch sure. gang, so it's like, like an angry Krillian biker gang. Hey, hey, fuck me, I don't fuck with you, I don't hate you, I hit my speeder. But, uh, and then they have, like, dogs and shit. Like, hey, you gonna piss me off? I'm gonna release the hounds. Smithers, release the hounds. You know, like from The Simpsons. But, uh, <laughs> they have a TIE fighter. That's pretty standard for every Star Wars movie. Maybe it's that she silly one be. that Logan's hyped about. Oh, yeah, bro. <laughs> Kessel Run Millennium Falcon. So we're gonna get that cool Millennium Falcon with the, uh, it's not a cargo. We have been informed. We're going to have a little fact check here. Maybe we're going to have a fact check. Can someone run a fact check? Fact check! But anyway, uh, I believe that is a transport or a shuttle that is in there. And I believe that was confirmed via a toy source. Anyway, I think the Falcon looks good. Schnazzy, clean. You know what it is. Clean, clean. I won't read out the rest of them here, but... Looking at these Black Series figures, once again, we know what it is. So from what we can see here is a lot of this story is going to take place in Krillian or Mimban. You know what I mean? Yeah. So everything that we have seen are going to take are going to be like big parts of the movie. You know what I mean? We just don't know what context it is. And I think that's what makes Star Wars trailers so cool is like we think we know what we're talking about, but then the movie comes out and we're like, "Fuck, we were wrong." All those months and months of making videos on theories and shit and getting subscribers was worthless cuz all that information you said was wrong, motherfucker. So why is the last that Jedi? <clears throat> yeah, let's just talk about that. Your Snoke theory sucks. Everyone's fucking <laughs> Snoke theory sucked. There was no Ray parentage. I've been saying that for fucking ever. And but guess what? Everyone's like, oh no, Skywalker, Kenobi, Windu. I don't fucking care. Not every person has to have a backstory that's important. Okay, mine's over. But anyway, <laughs> Muhammad, let's move yeah, on. That was the TJ Rand. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about a topic here that is on everyone's minds. Should Dave Buck and Filoni, Indiana Jones hat guy, run Lucasfilm creative team? To be yes. honest, I have no idea. So I'd like to hear why you guys think so. Well, I like I like Dave Filoni to uh, be part of the creative team to run it because he made so many good stories in Rebels, and he was really good in Clone Wars. So I think he can bring a whole new plate to the table, and it'll help uh, kind of boost the Star Wars stories up a little bit. I'll tell you why. <laughs> uh, sorry, guys. I'm all hyped up. Uh, those toys. But anyway, Dave Filoni's been there since the beginning. Like, not I won't say since the beginning, but Dave Filoni has been there since, I want to say what I want to call the new age Star Wars movies, the prequels, the sequels, and the in-between. But he's worked under George for so long, I feel like he understands Star Wars better than anyone that currently is, is in the Star Wars area. Dave Filoni is a creative man. He's responsible for the Clone Wars. He's responsible for Rebels. And his way of thinking and the way that he shows narrative 
and puts together this canon that we know now. He was single-handed, not want to say single-handedly, but he was able to rebuild a Star Wars canon that was completely taken, completely stripped down. So let's say this. Sure. So let's say, well, here here was the Star Wars canon. The Star Wars canon was a was a heavily armored trooper. By the time Disney was done, it was stripped down to his undies. <gasps> so I would say Dave Filoni. What had a big part on, on making that guy dress wear a little bit of clothes, you know, wear a little bit of clothes, building it back up to what it is now. And I guess so is the, the movies and stuff. But I feel that these Star Wars is where the fuck am I going with this? But anyway, uh, Dave, uh, Dave Filoni. How many times am I going to say Dave Filoni? <laughs> uh, so far, a hundred times. Yeah. Uh, I think she run the creative team. Him of all people knows Star Wars better than anyone else. I mean, he wears an Indiana Jones hat, for God's sake. Who knows, who knows what the hell's underneath that thing? Uh, <laughs> well, there you have it, folks. Uh, I'm on board. Dave Floyd should definitely be on it, then. <laughs> I, I think I convinced everyone on this one. Uh, right. Vote Dave Filoni. Vote Dave Filoni for your creative team head. Uh, I, I Hopefully the Star Wars Resistance thing we talked about last week will go through. And oh, yeah, we get definitely. some even more content. And hopefully he's a bigger part in the live action series. He's a bigger part in the the one off movies, not like one off movies, but like the I want to say like the uh, the blah, 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 Game of Thrones director movies, the ones that uh, I'm kind of sort of about because I don't like Game of Thrones. But anyway, uh, Logan, let's take you on to what Daisy Ridley said about JJ's rope drafts for eight and nine. Oh yeah, so. She was talking about how J.J. Abrams had actually wrote it, had written a draft written. on episode what written <laughs> written a draft for episode eight and nine, uh, which was kind of surprising, especially <laughs> since Ryan Josh Ryan Johnson was <laughs> was uh, directing episode eight. <laughs> so I feel like J.J. Abrams knew where the Star Wars saga was going to go. And I feel like since he already kind of has a head start as he made the draft for episode eight, like who knows if his draft was very similar to Ryan Johnson's, it could have been, but it probably wasn't who knows, but maybe he will change some things in episode nine as he has already had, or as he already has a draft for it. And I can't wait to see it. Muhammad. Well, not much to add, but, um, it seems that he did have some sort of influence, even though a lot of what he wanted was overridden. Um, so again, seeing him come back and take take the reins um, of Star Wars again, is it going to take a different direction? Is he going to build off of what uh, Ryan Johnson had had has taken it so far? I guess it's. I guess we'll find out in 2019. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I don't think Episode Eight would have been that different. Let's be honest here. I mean, it might have included more Knights of Ren, <laughs> if anything. But the way that they handled Luke Skywalker, I think, was exceptional. I think the the way that Ryan handled every character, minus Act by Rest in Peace, don't be butthurt. Uh, but there's just so much room for JJ to work on Episode Nine, and so much stuff that he could do. I mean, he better do it right, or we all know how that turns out. Uh, the Last Jedi did not close up the Carrie Fisher aspect. And that's really putting a heavy thing on Mr. Abrams. Like, 
Yeah. You're, you got to find a way to explain where the hell Princess Leia went. What happened, Princess Leia? Why was she not shown to die? What's the gap going to be between 8 and 9? The you know Resistance I mean? series, which I believe will be placed between that, but you're like, oh, nope, it's going to be uh, the making of the Resistance. Yeah. So for our final topic we're going to talk about here today. That's kind of sad. It is. Uh, Rip Corn John Williams. Just kidding, he's not dead. But he plans to retire after episode 9. I mean, I don't blame him. Dude's been around for every Star Wars movie, minus Rogue One. Um, I mean, he's composing the theme for the solo spinoff, but I feel like, hey, he made the theme for every other character. You know, he's got to, he's got to, uh, he's got to do to Han Solo. I mean, Han Solo never got a theme for it, but right, right. I mean, kind of. I mean, we do know now that um, he has a real liking for Daisy Ridley. Yeah, and uh, what they say about her. No, what about that? Him? Oh, what he found think? out that she was going to be in the next movie, and he was like, "All right, I'll do it." Mm. So he thinks there's yeah. more to the Ray's parentage, well, heritage than we're letting the. Yeah, then yeah, he did have that theory, but it turned out to be wrong. So. Yeah. Oh well, everyone has theories, and all of our fucking theories suck. So, but... <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Let's My be honest. Theory though. Yeah. Oh, it's trash. It's trash. Every, it's everyone's theory trash. sucks. Everyone's sense. theory sucks. We're not doing this. Do you guys want me to say you guys want me to say my Snoke theory? No, I don't want to hear that's your Snoke theory. Nobody wants to hear your Snoke theory. <laughs> it's amazing. So, if you want to do your Snoke theory, go onto our Twitter or our Instagram, put up our Snoke theory, and just put do not li- do not read this if you don't want to hear complete garbage. But then if people don't want <laughs> if, if people feel in the mood to listen to garbage, then they'll read it. But no, it'll, it'll be the next rogue rant. There you go. There's the rogue rant. Do your snow theory <laughs> in the next rogue rant. It's the one little part where I give you to just to do your own little thing. But anyway, guys, <laughs> thank you for joining us in this episode of the Newback Discussion. It's a pleasure having you here along, spending our wonderful Sunday evening with us. Uh Muhammad and Logan, thank you for uh coming back as always. I appreciate course, your time man. and effort. My pleasure. Jordan, I love this. Yeah, Jordan, I know That's when it. you're listening to this that uh, you'll be thinking in your head, boy, 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 what I've had a lot to talk about here on the second half of the do back discussion. But guess what? You're gone. I'm just kidding. Uh, we'll have you back next week. But uh, this was a good episode. I felt really good about it. Look, look for our Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube page for upcoming streams, content, and Star Wars facts of the day. That will be all. That is TJ Bowser signing off. Joke the Rogue getting off. (laughs) (laughs) What? Joke the Rogue getting off. Okay, Grandmaster Mo (laughs) signing off. See you, boys.